You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by our special guest, World Bigfoot Radio's own Duke Sullivan is here with us. Duke, how you doing? Doing good. Don't hug the Wookiee, guys. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Don, you're going without tonight. <laughs> ah, talk on it. No sweet, sweet loving for me. Don's getting no love tonight. He's my own personal Wookiee. Yeah, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> He's the Chewbacca to my hand solo. Yeah. More like ham sandwich. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Just getting a dig. Uh, yeah, when okay. you see those online ads, don't be lonely, call Squatch only. No, those are traps. Don't do it. <laughs> they need loving too, Duke. Bait, bait needed. <laughs> yeah, I saw that bait needed one that's going around. Yeah, somebody's doing research and let's got an ad out for bait needed. <laughs> Must enjoy camping. <laughs> so, welcome back to the show. And uh, we've covered, you know, a little bit of ground, but I can tell that we're not even going to touch this in two hours. Mm-mm. We're not even going to get to, uh, you know, everything that you could tell us. So, that just means you're going to have to keep coming back. You know that, right? Okay, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you're agreeable. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about um, about the, the different types, one and two. Um, now, one thing that I found was interesting, and you were talking about that even in the South, they have the wood burgers and the wood burgers and then type ones. Now, I've always heard that the ones in the South are, are generally much more aggressive than the ones in the North. Have you heard anything about that or have any opinion on that? I think it's generally because they seem to have more type twos down there and type twos seem like they're, they're more aggressive. They, uh, they'll cause more general problems for humans. They're more vocal for sure. It seems like they like to make vocalizations quite a bit more than the type ones do. Okay. I've been in, I've been in areas before where there's like ton of Bigfoot sign around. You never hear a peep out of them other than mimicking maybe another animal. That's it. They don't howl or anything like that. So, so, um, you know, I think that's more, you gotta be, if it's type ones, you gotta kind of be out in the middle of nowhere. You're probably not going to hear much in the way of vocalizations or something. Type twos will go off if they're 
down the block from you. <laughs> Do you suppose that, that that's just a more territorial type of display then? Since yeah, they are it, could, it could be that they're you know they're more more clannish territorial. I mean, from what the boys down south tell me, it sounds like they don't interbreed between type ones and twos. Oh, and okay. They probably have you know different territories that they don't allow each other onto. I know the researchers up in uh, Alaska that I know. Uh, one of them was actually living in an area that was on a borderline. Uh, between the apparently two two territories of two different varieties, and uh, the ones didn't seem the ones on the one side of the house seemed like they didn't mind them being there too much. The other ones were trying to kill them and get them out of there. Oh God! Uh, so yeah, but they ended up winning. They had military stockpiles. Let's just leave it at that. Oh, um, so. <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> That's yep. that. That levels the playing field a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what type you're talking about. They don't like explosives. So that tends to make them not want to hang around very much after that. Wow. You know, um, Duke, we hear a lot about, you know, the horror stories and things like that. Um, what is it? Brown Brown Creek? Brown Springs. Oh, Brown, Brown Springs down there in Texas. Right. And, you know, we hear about a lot of, you know, some, well, we hear of some, uh, you know, horror stories, you know, and do you think be with, with these horror stories that we hear, you know, um, what was the other one um, in Oklahoma, Hanoba, Hanobia, Hanobia. Yeah. yeah. You know, so do you think that uh, there might be an eradication plan in place if the say, you know, hypothetically the government knew? Yeah. Hypothetically. <laughs> uh, yeah, any of them that become too much of a problem are are disposed of. There's, mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind about that because they, they simply would have to. If people started going missing in one area too much and they couldn't, right. you know, blow it off on cultists or something, they'd have to get rid of the problem before it okay. became too obvious. Right. But the other thing you guys should consider is that an even worse problem from their standpoint is ones that are overly friendly and will let you get pictures of them. Uh -huh. mm, sure. There you go. That's true too. That if they want to keep it quiet, and they and it's clear, clearly seems like they do, that they don't want this evidence out there. They don't want the, that validation out there. Nope. Yeah, and and sadly, the uh, the ones that would be more um, interested in actually having something to do with humans would be like even more of a problem for them than the ones that just want to throw a log at us or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's really, really interesting. Do you really think, uh, do you think that there's a lot of, um, I don't know, would that, okay, let's ask this. Would that be an individual trait or would that be like a, a clan or a tribe trait? Um, either they're aggressive or they're, you know, um, uh, friendly. Well, there's two things that you have to look at in a situation like that. According to what we've been able to figure out, they have a structure in their groups that are similar to like what gorillas or something have. Um, mm -hmm. So there's going to be an alpha male that's going to be running the show. And it really depends on his attitude. Mm -hmm. If he wants to let the other members of the troop interact with humans, they go mess with humans. They slap your house. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they throw your tools on the roof of your house so you can't find <laughs> do stuff like that. You know, he doesn't care. Ha ha, that's funny. Other ones are like, no, you know, they don't want any of the members of the troop to have anything to do with humans. And they're probably hostile toward us. Like maybe when he was a, a beta male, he got too close to a deer hunter and got shot or something. So now he hates all humans and no, you're not allowed to go near him now that I'm the alpha. So some of that you can probably figure would have something to do with whatever the leadership of the local group is going to be. And the other thing is 
as smart as they obviously are, they're going to be individuals and they're all going to have different likes and dislikes and different temperaments. And some of them are going to be short tempered creeps, just like humans. You know, most humans are pretty agreeable. You can get along with them for the most part. And then there's like Ed Gein or, (laughs) you know, some of these. Yeah. You don't want to be around these people. They're problems. Right. Um, So no doubt they have analogs like that. You know, and if if a Bigfoot like that becomes too much of a problem, what do they do with them? Do they kill them? Or do they just throw them out of the troop? Well, then it's a rogue running around right. that's got mental issues and God knows what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like really hard to draw blanket statements about any of these varieties. I just like, to, you know, the way I've got them categorized, the further up the scale goes and the higher number gets, the less you can um, rely on them not wanting to attack you, let's just say. Mm. Okay. Okay. So you mean by scale, by, by size? Or, uh, no, by type. Type okay. ones are tend to be the least dangerous. Type fours are the most dangerous. Okay, gotcha. And there's not a lot of type four reports, and the reason for that is because, first of all, there's not very many of them. They're subarctic, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly where they are, humans aren't, vice versa. But in um, those occasions over the last two, three hundred years, where people have had encounters with these things, usually the only person that's reporting the encounter is a survivor. The main person that had the run-in with the Wendigo got killed. And somebody that was there saw it happen and and survived to talk about it. But some of these lone hunters and stuff out there by themselves walking through these, you know, trackless frozen wastelands, you know, mile after mile after mile after mile of frozen forest that all looks the same. Uh, You know, you get in a situation like that and you pick up one of these things. Well, (laughs) what's going to persuade him that you're not food? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you think that that perhaps a lot of the missing 411 stuff could be these cryptids mm. then, right? Um, I've done shows about this before, and I tend to lean away from trying to blame regular old type one patty type Bigfoot for any sure. of this stuff, really. I'm sure there's definitely aggressive ones <laughs> that attack people. There's aggressive ones that have killed people. Mm-hmm. Um, is it common? No. I, uh, I don't think that they're cannibalistic in as much as they're opportunistic. If it was starving to death and you wandered too close to his cave in February or something like that, eh, maybe you'd start looking like a chicken delight truck rolling up with the, <laughs> with the siren swinging, you know, from their standpoint. But, uh, you know, there's other ones that'll just like go out of their way to go after people. Uh, the Wendigo type has an especially bad reputation for that. Um, which again goes back to some of the adrenochrome harvesting and the aliens and that sort of thing. And that um, if you've ever had a cut of meat from a slaughterhouse where they didn't like kill their animals without them knowing it was happening, their body will get pumped full of adrenaline. The meat will actually taste different. And it seems like um, from some of the encounters, I mean, one of the reports we had, this guy was actually trailed by a Wendigo for a week. He was out there by himself and it kept, it would howl off in the distance occasionally to scare him. And then after dark, it would get close up to camp and let him see it, but not enough that he could get a shot at it and scare him. And so he was just in a constant state of terror for the better part of a week. Well, imagine how pumped full of adrenaline is. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, that's true. And then shortly before, he was just going to go completely nuts and you know run out of energy and just die. And this thing kept getting closer and closer all the time. He just lucked into running into a lumber camp. Oh, wow. Uh, and they saved his butt because then Wendigo wasn't going to come in and take out all these lumbermen. But apparently that night it sat outside the camp and did a bunch of howls and stuff too to 
terrify the lumberman and let him know I wasn't particularly happy about wasting a week chasing this guy. It was, and it, it, you know, for as far as this guy apparently walked, if this thing had a territory, he was out of it. It, it <laughs> oh, was yeah. following him beyond it and just terrorizing him, probably with the intention of eating him. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. That That's just terrifying. I mean, just to think that we could be on a menu is just horrible. And and granted, it's not exclusive to these, these beings alone. I mean, a, a rogue bear, a rogue mountain lion and, you know, but it's just, God, these things are smart too. And that's, what's really creepy about it. It's like they, they reason to a point and they, you know, they have, uh, you know, intelligence and, and still. Yeah, that was, that was part of the terror with the, uh, the Genosqua, you know, because they would have groups of those things that were fighting with the natives. And, the, you know, from the native standpoint, they called them cannibals because they thought of them as being like people. They aren't right, humans, right. but they're people. Yep. Um, so they're eating other people, whether they're, you know, sure. they're not humans, but they are people. They eat people, therefore they're cannibals, basically. Uh -huh. um, but the point here is that, you know, these, they're just as smart as people are in some regards. And so they've got that capacity to be stealthy and to track you. They know what tracks are. They can smell you. Their hearing is way better. They're way faster. They can travel through the treetops when the trees are big enough, not leave a track on the ground. They can do all sorts of things that you wouldn't think about or expect and plop. They're right in front of you falling out of a tree. Oh, God, you're dead. Splat. Your head goes off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the matter of fact, just brutality of it. <laughs> Smack, you're gone. That's, your head's gone. That's, that's all. But you know, it, and that's and that's the scary. That's the really that really is the scary thing. It is. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is this is pretty deep, and and it's. Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, of course, they're not all dangerous, like you say, but I mean, it is. It is still, if anything, it just reminds us that there's so much more out there. And now I know that you, you know, you do talk Bigfoot a whole bunch and I don't want you to feel like that's the only thing we're interested in, because as I understand it, you've got a lot of different experiences and I'd love to hear a bunch of those. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> you know, as I could say that as far as um, actual physical evidence of cryptids other than Bigfoot, um, one of the things that I found, I was up in uh, the local ghost town of Coloma which apparently the Bigfoot really like hanging out there during the summer because all the locals are terrified of it and won't camp there. Oh. Uh, and I found that out by camping there in 2015 and coming back in 2018 and noticing that nothing had changed. No, none of the local fire pits had been used, nothing. So oh. uh, nobody's camping there in like three years until I come back again. <laughs> the time previously I was there, one of them came up and shook my tent and then slapped the side of the SUV as he ran away. So <laughs> anyway, so we know they're there. They're up there. Um, the local legend is that this mining town, a whole bunch of bad things happened, starting out with really bad placement, um, that being that there was a native burial ground right next to it, mm. and they decided to build the mining town there. Um, and then other bad things apparently happened. Long story, won't go into that. But it got deserted before they had ever even put in electricity or anything. So this is early 20th century. They were all out of there. Mine has played out, whatever. Now... Garnett, one of the best-known ghost towns, the best-kept-up ones that you can visit over here in Montana, is, interestingly enough, on the top of the very same mountain, about four miles from it. And oh. this is like one of the most visited ghost towns in the West, and lots of people have been there, and none of them there know that four miles away is creepy Coloma with a lot more buildings and old abandoned mine and infested with Bigfoot. 
So the other thing is that there's legends all over this area about there being little people there. Now, whether that has anything to do with them abandoning the mine or anything, I have no idea. I haven't found any connection to that. But I was told to be careful in the area that there are little people there, too. And at that point, I was just like, okay, yeah, another legendary thing. I haven't seen one yet. Mm -hmm. Not inclined to believe it until I see evidence. But I'll keep it in the back of my mind. That's just kind of how I deal with this stuff. I found that they had actually made a ramp from the top of the mountain. And one side of it is basically a cliff, a few hundred feet high. And they had literally carved a ramp on the side of this thing wide enough for a wagon to go down so they could take whatever it was they were taking down there. And it looked like uh, down at the base of it, it was mostly like the stuff they had dug out of the mine, just tailings or whatever, you know, slag heaps. And they were hauling them down there and dumping them. So you got this whole rolling terrain with these little mounds about eight feet high and, you know, pits maybe six feet deep in between them and like, you know, practically right next to each other. So you could be literally surrounded by something a human size. There could be 20 of them within 50 feet of you. You wouldn't see them. So that made me creeped out to start with. And (laughs) this has been, you know, long enough ago that there was trees and everything growing up on it. In fact, there was like very little of the original rock or dirt or anything showing anymore. And I had pretty much decided that, well, this is about as far as I want to go by myself. My research person that I'm out here with is still up on top of the mountain in a ghost town. Doesn't really know where I wandered off to, so I probably shouldn't go any further. And I went to light up a cig, and I looked down in front of me. In front of me, there was a little bare patch of ground on the top of this little mound that was about maybe three, four feet long and about two, three feet wide. Just a, a one little random spot that hadn't grown into the grass or moss or anything. And going across it were three little tracks that looked like a toddler's footprints, except they were wearing moccasins. Huh. Oh, my God. And I went, okay, there's no way in hell any woman was down here with her toddler with moccasins letting them run around. I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> and I swiftly turned around and went back to the top of the, of the, uh, the cliff where the, the ghost town is. Um, so for me, that was like, yep, they said there's little people around here. I found tracks. That looks like little person tracks. They, they're wearing moccasins, too, yet. <clears throat> okay, I'm starting to believe there's little people around here. And then uh, after we were out there in Coloma last time, last fall, Michael um, decided to go back out there the following weekend and ran around the top of the mountain a little bit more, just did road squatching, looking for structures he could see, and found himself a gigantic axe that he could see from the road, went over, took a few pictures of it, and got this eerie feeling that something was watching him and didn't want him being there. So discretion being the better part of valor and suicide, he decided that he would leave forthwith turned around, started going back toward the car, and then kind of thought, well, as long as I'm on my way back to the car, I'll just, you know, watch the ground on the way back, see if I spot anything. And sure enough, they're kind of old and, you know, uh, probably been rained on a couple times, so the detail on them isn't that great. But he found a couple gigantic tracks, probably 22 inches long. Oh, my God. uh, At least. He's got a picture of his foot next to him. Um, So, yeah. And uh, (laughs) it looks, it's hard to tell because they're so old and they're so worn out. But after multiple looks at them um, and, and changing the color and stuff to bring up shadow and whatnot, it really looks like they're four-toed. So if that's actually what they are, it's like he found a mountain giant track. Wow. And this is still like about two miles from Coloma, where a different person actually had photographed mountain giant tracks in 2014 when he was up there camping. A much smaller individual. So um, creepy. Yeah. And that gets to be a little a little tough, except for the four-toe thing, but to draw the distinction between what would be a Sasquatch track and what would be a mountain giant track, um, if it was at all obscured, you, you really wouldn't know then, would you? Because no. they're all in the same range. 
Yeah, if you, uh, it seems like that they like the, the mountain giants stay exclusively up in the mountains, and they're so huge they have giant areas, so you don't hardly ever run into them. If you, one of them could have an area with like, you know, just guessing here, but it could be like six or eight different Bigfoot troops in what he considers his territory, because wow. they need so much range and so much food to feed them. But uh, what we've been able to find out from uh, mythology and legend, which by the way is mostly coming from over in Norway and Sweden. Uh-huh. Uh, they had things called mountain trolls and trolls, and yeah. the description seems to match really, really well. So, okay. in fact, a mountain giant may actually be a type of troll. And um, these things are attributed with being able to sleep for vast periods of time. They can hibernate just like a bear. Okay. So you wouldn't necessarily ever see a track one of them during the winter unless they had some reason to go from point A to point B. They might just take a nap the entire winter. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. Very, very interesting. And that explains a lot because I, I often wondered about that. I think that that subject is absolutely fascinating. But there again, the, there's such a shortage of physical evidence. Um, you just don't hear of that stuff very often at all. And and so I, I would I would assume then that the numbers of those are are quite a bit less than like say for instance a Sasquatch. Then right? Very small. And apparently, according again according to. Um, insider information and also from legends they live hundreds of years so they don't have to like meet up with uh, mama troll and make a baby very often if you know what i mean oh right right so they don't have to do much to keep the population rolling just no, stay alive. no no they, they go you know go find a female when they're like 250 or something never oh, <laughs> see her again no alimony <laughs> old enough to date <laughs> yeah She's going to show up knocking on the cave door with a whole troop of angry Bigfoot looking for alimony. I don't think it's happening. Yeah, exactly. You said you were going to get cigarettes. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, seriously, one of the people that uh, that helped me a lot with the research on this end of things as far as these critters are was uh, uh, Solveig Fulkerheim over in Sweden who runs a channel called Crypto Sweden. And oh, she cool. does a, a, not only field research, believe it or not, there's four or five Bigfoot researchers on the ground, boots on the ground in Norway and Sweden, and they're finding the same things we are. Um, but she's also doing the archive work because she can read some of the old variants of Norse and Sweden. She's been looking at that stuff, too. Oh. And what she found out was very interesting is that they're listing as separate individual uh, beings three different things. First of all is, of course, giants. There's the okay. frost giants and the fire and blah, blah. Norse mythology, Swedish mythology, yeah, giants, just like everywhere else in Europe. The second thing, interestingly, is the forest people. Okay. Now, the description of the forest people sounds exactly like Bigfoot. And then the third thing, and you got to be careful of this because it gets confused, in Sweden, everything is a troll. Um, trolldom literally means witchcraft. So little people are trolls, trolls are trolls, Bigfoot's trolls, anything that's like supernatural, weird, out of the ordinary, it's a troll. Oh. In Norway, a troll means troll. There's only two kinds. There's little short ones that are about four feet tall, and there's ginormous ones like what we're talking about. So okay. this is this is what we're actually talking about, and this is what, the way she did the search. So first of all, she found out the giants, and then she found out the forest people, then she went, yes, there's a different thing that's not either of those two that's a troll. Mm, wow. And, that, and that's really neat, though. And I've always liked to believe that, you know, to every legend there's some truth. I mean, it comes from somewhere. And all that lore and folklore and stuff is based upon something. So I, I think that's phenomenal. I mean, it is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's really cool. And so the other part of it is that's that's really bizarre is like 
how diverse it is. And when you go around the globe, these different regions have these same descriptions, you know, and, and it's, it's truly a global phenomenon. This isn't just a U.S. thing or, or North American thing. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. The one, uh, the one thing that you can say that pretty much globally, there's th other than dragon legends, there's three kinds of cryptids that you're going to find everywhere. One of them is something like a Bigfoot, one of them is a giant, and the other one is some kind of little person. Right, you right. You find them everywhere. Yeah, it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. We're almost to our last break of the night. And, uh, you know, clearly, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, an epic discussion. And <laughs> I think I'm, I'm most blown away by your your ability to recall all these facts. And no things. kidding. I'm just like, wow, I have a hard time remembering my neighbor's name. And, <laughs> <laughs> and here you are like, oh, yeah, back in this time in 19, blah, blah, blah. It's wow. So uh, I, mean, it, it, I was a lot better before I, did, I uh, banned my dramage. Yeah, <laughs> I understand that. Yep. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all a little Bane damaged here. I think some of us more than others, but uh, clearly you've kept most of your faculties. Um, it's just a dyslexia of mine remembering names. <laughs> <laughs> no, generally I'm really bad with dates. I can kind of remember places and names, but dates are what usually throws me. Uh, and, and now for... Well, I mean, we got like a minute left, so I, I probably shouldn't ask you any more questions until then. But I do want to get in on the other side some of your other uh, non-cryptid uh, encounters that we, we touched on just a little bit before the show. But it's absolutely fascinating, and I hope you'll, you'll indulge us that as well. Um, but ladies and gentlemen... Uh, this is just a, an epic night. I'm just, my head's kind of reeling and I, I got this humming between my ears, but it's a happy feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, oh no, I have to go back and listen to this one over again. Feeling. Oh, I'll, be, I'll be putting this one on repeat for a while, I'm sure, but, but fascinating, absolutely fascinating information. So uh, we're going to head to our last break, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be just a couple minutes and we'll be back at it with our guest, Mr. Duke Sullivan here on the Paranormal Portal. So don't go away. Special guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Duke Sullivan of World Bigfoot Radio. And thank you again for being here with us tonight, Duke. It's just been an absolute uh, knowledge fest and fun. And you know, you, you got the whole the whole buffet for us tonight. That's just excellent. Well, I'm glad to be here, you guys. It's a hoot for me too. It's really fun. And I'd like to say hi to some people in chat right now: Kevin from Glagland and Amanda and Patsy and some of my regular friends over on my uh, group. Hey, guys, glad you could make it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and welcome out to all our new listeners. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get it in there. Well, well, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really thrilled to meet all you new guys, new, new viewers and stuff. Thank you so much for coming and checking out the episode. Even if you're just here for Duke, it's an honor for us to have you. 
and we hope you're enjoying the experience. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know I am. And before, before the break, I, I mentioned, uh, that you and I had talked a little bit prior to the show about some other oddities that you've encountered. And I'm kind of dying to hear more of those. Well, one of them that I brought up before the show that we were talking about is probably the single weirdest thing that I've ever experienced. And, uh, totally not Bigfoot related. I was in the middle of town here in Missoula. It was during the summer and it was like mid afternoon and I was crossing an intersection. It was a uh, four way. There was a good sized road going off to my left hand side and then crossing it at right angle. There was a smaller um, local street. Well, on the side of the road that I was on, that local street was actually blocked off. They were doing road construction on it and across from it was the parking lot for a grocery store. So, I was kind of like, well, why am I waiting for the signal to go across the street? <laughs> like, you can't drive down the street, right? I'm just going to go slowly pedal my bike across. And I got about halfway across the street, and all of a sudden, something hit the uh, right-hand side of my front tire of my bike. And it felt almost like, uh, you know, a human jogger had run into me or something. Wow. And the tire jumped about a foot to the left, and I managed to stay on the bike. It, it, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. So there was something there, but it just wasn't visible. <laughs> well, it had a physical impact on the bike, and it felt like a physical thing ran into the bike, but there was nothing visible to see. And, you know, this wasn't like middle of the night out by a haunted house or something. This is right in the middle of town in the middle of the day. Uh, I got my bike across the, the over to the other sidewalk and just kind of sat there for a minute and went, what the hell just happened? Right. Right. That is bizarre. Um well, and no, I mean, there was just the impact. And then the, the other than other than that, you had no other indicator that something was there. There was no nothing else. Nothing. Just no sound. No, uh, no uh, footsteps. No nothing. Wow. That is so bizarre. Well, you know, Montana, especially Missoula, Missoula's got some haunted history over there. Oh, I can believe that. Actually, the local natives wouldn't even live in this valley. <laughs> creepy and spooky and there was something wrong with it. Right, yeah. I've heard the same thing about this place where we live, actually. That, that, that the native uh, tribes called it like the damp death or something like that. that there was, or wet death or something like that. It was just like they didn't stay here during many seasons of the year just because, uh, you know, I guess it just wasn't considered very healthy here for some reason. And maybe maybe it has a lot to do with that. I don't know. But I know this whole region up here is has got, you know, for, for you know, I'm I'm going to sound a little... Uh, maybe snowflakey, but I think it just has a, a real incredible energy. And it's hard to explain, but there, there's like a natural vibration here that's just really powerful and, and really potent. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all that that is, it, it is a sort of beacon. And perhaps it's ley lines. I don't know. I've never looked into the ley line configuration around here, but with, you know, you, you're over in Montana, you're pretty close to the, you know, the, the, Yellowstone mega caldera and of course around those natural natural occurring uh um what do I want to say uh energy uh sources like that are, are often beacons for a lot of different activity and perhaps portals and stuff like that I mean you know this is kind of what we go into on the show here but uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all you know if there was just a whole lot of spiritual activity around this entire region well, and that was attributed to it before the white man ever moved in here, so why would it be any different now? Sure. You know, another thing that people don't think about is the, uh, and a lot of people don't even know about, um, you know, there's actually giant megaliths right here 
in Montana. And you think about megaliths being, you know, like Stonehenge or Malta, sure. the big uh, dolmens and stuff that they have over in Asia and everything, uh, you know, Arthur's Table, all that sort of stuff. You don't think about there being huge megaliths here in Montana. But in fact, the Giants Playground, which isn't far from the capital, has got a whole bunch of megaliths in it, including the Tizer Dolmen, which is the largest dolmen on Earth. Oh, really? Yeah. So there apparently wasn't any shortage of giants around here either. (laughs) How do you spell Tizer? I'm just curious. T-I-Z-E-R. T-I-Z-E-R Dolmen. I'm just looking it up on Google here. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's like ridiculously big. And you're looking at that going, well, how in the hell did they make that without heavy equipment? And then you look at the area around it. Well, there's no place to park heavy equipment. Right. Wow. And that, I'm going to drag it over to the to the other screen so that our listeners can <laughs> see it. But you can see that this thing is, it's clearly a megalithic structure. It's not anything naturally occurring. That, oh my God. Yeah, and it's the the typical dome and it's got the, the you know, Three or four standing stones that's got the flat stone laid across the top of it, like you find all over the planet. That is amazing. Wow. And and how tall is this? Can you? Uh, geez, I think it's like uh, 50, 60 feet. You'd have to look it up to be specific on it, but it's gigantic. That is incredible. Uh, uh, that is amazing. I'd never even heard of this before, but I'm I'm absolutely intrigued. Yeah, see, here we are in the middle of giant and paranormal central, and nobody <laughs> even knows any of this stuff is going on. When I when I first started doing uh, live in the field research videos and stuff, when I had my uh, little group over on Facebook, Montana Bigfoot Project, there was a lot of people that were like, "Well, oh, there's no there's no Bigfoot in Montana. They're all over in Washington and Oregon." <laughs> and like, well, how do you think they trained them to not cross the border and come over here? Because I hate to tell you, those woods are all connected. There's a blue mountain range runs right over here and connects to the Bitterroots right next to where I'm living. Come and on, that's where Teddy Roosevelt's encounter uh, story that he told was. You can see the lines on all the maps, Duke. <laughs> Come on, yeah. You know, Bigfoot doesn't have the map. Nobody gave it to him. He doesn't know how to read it. Doesn't care. <laughs> that is the truth, though. And that was what, uh, you know, I have to admit that, you know, way back, way back when I see I had a, an encounter. I never saw it, but it was right behind me and growled. And I lived down in Lake Pepin. I'm sure you're familiar with that area. Being yeah, a matter of fact, I lived in Lake City for about three years. Oh, did you? Okay. So I was yeah. just north of you in a town uh, called Red Wing, actually in Wakuda. But uh, that's where I grew up, and I was up on the bluffs there. Hiking down, a friend, and my, a friend of mine and I were hiking down a ravine there uh, near Frontenac State Park. And uh, we got down to this bowl of this ravine, and suddenly something was right behind us. And growling in such a way that it shook our whole bodies. And now this is southern Minnesota where the biggest thing is a white tail. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just there's yeah, there no... aren't even any bear around there. There's oh, nothing he... for big predators. Right. But there was this this rumbling growl and it just I mean, we were frozen and and finally we just said, What do you want you know, what is it? We don't know. I don't know. Let's get out of here. And we just ran. We ran down this rocky ravine and how we made it to the bottom without breaking ourselves in half, I don't know. <laughs> but it was just like I thought I was going to die. That's all I can tell you is I felt like I was going to die. Whatever that was that made that sound was so big and so ferocious that I, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to turn my head to see what it was. I didn't want to know, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is down there. But I when it happened after that fact, this is when I was 14, 15 years old, I didn't have any any knowledge of 
Bigfoot except of on search of, and they were over in the uh, Pacific or Olympic Peninsula. <laughs> you know, they were over there and in California. They weren't in Minnesota. So I was just oh. dumbfounded until, you know, it's it was like this information took so long to filter down that, no, wait, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I got the head start on you way back in 72 when I saw one in northern Minnesota and then again in 77. So I knew they were around there. So whenever I was out in the woods after that, when I got to the point where I didn't feel like I needed to be armed like Rambo and have a team of killer special forces with me to go <laughs> into the woods, um, I would actually, that was one of the things that I'd do. I'd go for hikes and stuff, and occasionally I was hunting or whatever, but I'd always you know, find tracks or likely areas that could be hanging around. I was down Frontenac and looked around down there, and like I said, I lived in Lake City for like three years, and I heard three local reports that I doubt are in the, the database of people that actually saw Bigfoot in that area. So it doesn't surprise me at all if one of them had chased you out of there. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, <laughs> and and it was it was years later, of course, when I started getting the information, started learning what people, what signs people attribute to them, and then went back up into those woods maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago and went back up into those woods and started finding some of those very things like broken off saplings that are like six inches around, broken with no deadfall anywhere near them, snapped mm-hmm. down. And uh, a little structure that was built with broken logs, and uh, I, you know, I was like, "Oh my God, they are here!" That's what that's what it was, and it was it was kind of good, and a and a healing thing because it it made finally made that incident make sense. It's like, okay, now I know what happened. I'd never knew for all those years. It was just this weird thing that happened that just terrified the hell out of me. At least you have a likely suspect now. You don't have to keep running it back and forth in your mind a million times going, I don't know what came after me. <laughs> well, that, yeah, and that's it. It's it's kind of like your your situation where you, you kind of forgot about it because there was nothing you could do with it. Right. And yeah. then, then, then it just kind of resurfaced when I got into Bigfoot, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I remember that happened. And I'm really glad it happened with somebody with me because then I couldn't just dismiss it as, oh, you know, maybe that's a false memory or something in my, you know, in my mind. But the person with me, of course, remembers it too. So that's just really bizarre. I can't even tell you how many times I've had people talk to me where they've had, you know, a, a good sighting where there was no doubt what they were seeing, even, you know, during the daytime, fairly close range. And then they get interested in Bigfoot and they start looking up more information on it and they, it scares them because yeah. they start going, oh my God, I was probably near these things a bunch of times and I didn't know what I was doing, you know. I didn't <laughs> know what I was hearing. I didn't know what I was seeing, mm-hmm. you know. Trees don't naturally get ripped out of the ground and then shoved point first back into the ground again. <laughs> it's, no, it's true. Trees don't do cartwheels and get stuck halfway over. That Something else is doing that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and after they start seeing all that, then they get really creeped out, you know, and I, I, uh, I can't blame them, but at least it's like, well, you know, all these weird little things that happened while you're out in the woods. Now you've got something that all this sort of stuff seems to be tied in with this one creature and if you're in these areas where these critters are usually around, it's probably what it was. Right. So look on the bright side. It didn't, like, mash you with a boulder or something. <laughs> you were around them a bunch of times, and they didn't really come after you or anything. So it can't be that deadly, right? Right. Well, and that's that's the other part of it, right, is that, you know, I really think that uh, clearly by by physical ability ability alone, if they wanted us dead, we would be we would be mushy piles, and that's it. Mushy piles. You know, I mean, they, we would have no no physical recourse other than, you know, having the, you know, the ability to be armed and prepared. And even then, you know, it's, it's a gamble as quick as these things are that if you're in a, in a real hyper state of panic, can you actually pull out a a weapon and use it? Well, 
you know, something I don't think most people could, to be honest with you. And, no, especially at the speed they move. If they're intent on grabbing you or something, they're not going to be dumb and charge you like 100 yards across an open field. Right. right. They're going to sit behind a big tree and wait until you walk past it and then just reach out and clothesline you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be just already in a real bad place. Yep. So the fact that they don't, you know, aggressively go after people and that just usually, usually seems like territorial posturing more than anything, I think that's pretty reassuring but you know knowing that there's there's the other things out there that part is tough because you don't know where they're going to turn up but do you find that they're generally pretty territorial between them like uh you know so for instance the type ones wouldn't probably be real pleased about a wendigo crossing over their property or things like that do you have any opinion on that um the only information i've gotten direct on that one is again from people up in alaska that have talked about it and one person that was sitting right on the border between two territories And uh, they had a very interesting story, which I've never actually told on air before. Um, They were out hunting. I think they were hunting for, I think it was bighorn sheep. Anyway, you know, that's the Alaska thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Freezer's empty. Go shoot a huge animal. Fill freezer. (laughs) So anyway, uh, uh, the person in question's out there walking along, and they're going through this wooded area on a hillside. And they went into an area that they had never gone into before. Now, about 15, 20 minutes before they got into this area, the person realized they were being followed. Mm. And they even started, like, paying attention. And being that this person is very sly and extremely militarily trained, they actually caught a couple glimpses of it and went, oh, it's juveniles from the local troop is following me for some reason. Which kind of creeped them out. Like, why is he following me? This this right. isn't cool, you know. <clears throat> so finally, the person... Uh, came out into an opening, which was a you know, small field, wasn't that big. And uh, on the side of the opening, of you know, where it came out of the woods into the field, there was a huge X structure. And they looked at that and went, somebody's got a marker here. This might be somebody else's territory. I don't know if I should go in here. But they were really creeped out by the one that was right behind them and wanted to get out in the open to get a little distance away from them. Mm-hmm. So continued on their way across the field, went into the woods on the other side, about uh, 40, 50 feet, and kind of ducked around a tree and just hugged there for a second and looked back. And sure enough, here it came out of the wood line, was going to go across the field following them, took about three steps, and a Wendigo jumped it. And the witness's description said that, quote, it tore this thing apart like a human would rip a piece of paper apart. Wow. Oh, my God. They were so freaked out, they just basically screamed and ran for it. They gave up on hunting and never went into that that area again when they had to hunt. Uh, So, yeah, this is, you know, this is from the eyewitness. Yeah, it got jumped by one of those big carnivorous ones, and it shredded this juvenile Bigfoot like he was like nothing. Oh, my God. Wow. That (laughs) What what do you say? (laughs) I don't know. That's one of those things. It's like when you witness it, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I would just... I think I would just stand there drooling, just going, I don't know how to process this. Because I would they, have done the same thing they did, scream and run. <laughs> yeah. But I mean they passed this thing then. They were they and it chose yeah. not to It was okay to let the hunter go past, but when somebody from another troop that wasn't supposed to be there tried to walk across the boundary. Wow. Oh my God. And you gotta wonder then, would that be would that I don't know. I mean obviously nobody could know, but would that be an act of aggression then that then the other troop of the rest of the Bigfoots would go, hey, hell no, they just tore up Jimmy. You know, let's yeah. go get him. 
you know. Now, from what I gather from the the folks up there that have had anything to say about it, and believe me, people are tight-lipped on this subject, is that it sounds like the Type 4s don't even operate in groups. They're solitary. It's like a big old polar bear. It doesn't need a group. Oh, okay. So So it probably doesn't have an area that's all that big, but you damn well better not walk into it. (laughs) Oh, jeez. That just stuns me. I'm just like... I'm like, I'm feeling like a big swell of pity for that little yeah, Bigfoot. It's like, oh, poor guy. He just wanted you know, to- that's how I felt the first time, too, because I figured it was just one of the local troop members that maybe even knew she was that, that this person was going the wrong way. Yeah. And was about to walk into a territory where these Type 4s were. And, you know, who knows what it had in mind, if it was going to try and, you know, jump her and haul her off for a cave trophy, or if it was just concerned and wanted to keep an eye on her and make sure one of these other things didn't get her, but... Whatever the case was, it shouldn't have crossed that, uh, you know, and this, again, one of the reasons why I think the X's are territorial markers, because as soon as it walked past this thing, rippity shred. Right. <laughs> and, that's, wow. and that's what the witness said. It got three steps past it, and this thing that just, like, literally leaped out of the wood line. Neither one of them had seen it, and it was right on top of it in one jump. Oh, man. That is just... Wow, that's like the you know your Jurassic Park when the T Rex just blows out of the woods and, and eats those littler things. It's like, uh <laughs> Yep. Yeah, and you know, who knows what it had in mind as far as the person that was hunting after it got rid of the smaller one, was it gonna go trail them and you know, right. eat them or what did it have in mind? No thanks. You know, the hunter had enough savvy to get the heck out of there and not get not get a chance to find out what it had intended. Right. Now when they have in language, right? Would you would agree with that? That they have a a pretty uh, co- uh, complex language. It sure seems like it. I mean, if you go, if you uh, believe the Sierra sounds are real, um, it's definitely been studied by some people that are kind of expert on that sort of thing, and they've come to the conclusion it is some kind of language. They're mm-hmm. speaking really fast. Um, it also seems like they can make sounds at a higher and low, lower range than we can actually hear. They may be able to hear in a little bit more expanded range than we can. Mm-hmm. So they could like do a high-pitched chirp that a dog would hear, like a dog whistle, but we wouldn't hear it. Oh, okay. And maybe that's how they communicate when, when well, we don't... And another thing that, you know, people always talk about, uh, uh, Bigfoot's in your, Bigfoot walks up on your camp, all of a sudden everything goes dead still. Yes, right? yes. Okay. Think about it. The little animal operate in the hyper. If you blew a dog whistle, they'd hear it too. So maybe this thing is just making some kind of noise we can't hear, and all the little critters shut up right away. Right, Uh, including insects, and that's the creepy part. It's like even even bugs, which don't seem to be aware of much of anything, like they shut the hell up too when those things happen. No well, sound. I mean, think of like, you know, frogs and stuff like that. They can hear in the same range we can and stuff. You throw a rock in the pond, they'll shut up for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, to them, if there's some kind of a hypersonic uh, sound that they're emitting, like, you know, again, using the, the corollary of the dog whistle, it could be piercing ridiculously loud. We wouldn't hear it, but it would mm-hmm. sure scare the hell out of all these small animals, including insects, and they'd all shut up for a while. Yeah, good point. Now, um, I've experienced that one time in this area. And uh, what was going on is uh, uh, some old friends of mine had a had a uh, house up on uh, up on a mountain trail uh, near here, and it's it's not real far away, about twenty minute drive. But um, the husband was out uh, on a business trip and was away, and the wife and the small child were home alone. And she called me and said, "I don't know what's going on. The dog won't quit barking. They got a German Shepherd." 
and the dog was just going crazy. Never had done this before. Never had gone off like this in you know in the couple of years that they lived there. But the dog would not go, would not quiet down. It was just going absolutely ballistic. And uh, she's like, can you come up? I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, sure, I'll go up there. Now, <laughs> I get in my car and go up there. And, I, you know, I never, I didn't see anything. I really didn't. But I'll tell you, I got out of my car, quieted the dog down. And, and it was that creepy, creepy stillness. Mm-hmm. And it was just dead. There was not even a cricket chirping. And I stayed there and walked around the perimeter of the house, just kept shining a flashlight everywhere, you know, just looking. Because, I mean, it could be, you know, bears or whatever, too. I don't know. But I just know that it's just eerie quiet. And I'm listening with all of my strength to try to hear anything crunching or walking, and I'm not hearing a thing. And then it's like, all I can tell you is that I felt it as much as I heard it, that suddenly the air just lightened. And then slowly the crickets started chirping again. And it was like, oh, okay. And it, it was like everything returned to normal and the dog's hackles finally went down. And then it was like something was there, but it was that whole stillness thing. And it's just, it's really incredibly unnerving. Yeah. The other thing that you can't use um, infrasound or ultrasound to explain away is the instances where you get this situation happening and not only are all the bugs and the other critters quiet, there's no wind. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true, too. You can't do that with uh, any kind of sonic anything. You can't make the wind stop, sorry. Big, not mm-hmm. within Bigfoot's capability. So, there, you know, again, this is one of those weird things where it's like, well, you can maybe come up with part of an explanation, but it doesn't it doesn't fit everything all the time. Because I've been in situations like that, too, where it's like not only are all the animals quiet, the wind just stopped, too. Yeah, and now that you mention that, I, I, I didn't pay attention to remember if there was any wind or not. It was just that stillness. But, I mean, there wasn't wind, but I don't know if there was after that either. But you're right. I've heard of those accounts, too, where people are just, even the wind quiets down, like the whole forest is just holding its breath. And that's plenty creepy. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Because that just, that really implies something incredibly supernatural. And, of course, on the portal, we we discuss things like that. Like, there are there are these spiritual presences as well that don't really manifest completely but they they're there maybe just out of phase from us or something (laughs) but they just seem to you know they go where they want and and when they're around it's like but you know here's the interesting thing duke and this is something that's occurred to me that maybe it's a memory of our past or something but we all seem to have that sixth sense we know when we're being watched Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I don't know what that is, but unfortunately we're down to under the two minute mark. I want you to be able to tell people how to keep in touch with you. Keep following what you're doing. Uh, if you would, please let everybody All right. know. Well, come check out the channel at our main and primary base over on YouTube, World Bigfoot Radio. Uh, and also um, we're setting up a new website. We almost got her completely done and, and uh, ready to be on there full-time here shortly for right now it's got all the shows on it so we're keeping up on that we're going to have a board on there where people can uh, talk to each other without fear of troll interference (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and also post things from other people that are you know really good shows or newsworthy items that if you're interested in the whole bigfoot subject you should check out Um, next show up i'm really happy with and looking forward to putting it out here because i got uh, biblical scholar gary wayne coming on and he's going to be weighing in on bigfoot in the bible and what is bigfoot so wow um super super psyched to be doing that show and um also um you know 
Let's see, where else am I? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's see. I'm on uh, Minds.com, Gab, and I'm setting up on BitChute, so you should be able to start getting my shows there shortly. Oh, yeah, check us out on at- BitChute, too. Get us on there, too, uh, Duke. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's actually the platform is really nice. The sound and video quality is better than YouTube is. Okay. Um, so I recommend it for especially anybody that thinks their channel might be deleted for no decipherable reason. Go there, set up a backup base. Okay, yeah. All and right, MeWe, come find okay. me on MeWe instead of Facebook. M E W E, no trolls. Awesome groups. Come find me there. All right, guys. Well, we love you all. Be good. Be kind. Be nice. Hi, this is Don with Paranormal Portal. Thank you for checking out our Paranormal Portal podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com backslash Paranormal Portal. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Paranormal Portal Radio.
sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.